Namaste, everyone, and welcome to the Jai Bhakti Yoga podcast, where we share information on all things yoga, Ayurveda, and well-being lifestyle. I am excited to share these resources, insights, interviews, and so much more as we grow together on this wonderful journey of well-being. I am your host, Christina Andrini, founder of Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation and JBYU School of Yoga and Ayurveda. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our blog on Tumblr, as well as to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the fun social media channels where we share some of the tips and insights and resources from our podcast and vice versa on here. Now let's go ahead and begin with today's episode. Good morning to our community and to our friends and our family members out in the world. We are here and we are going to be joined by NAMI Louisiana with Ms. Tatiana Gonzalez as we continue our conversations from last week. So I'll give her just a moment to join us. There she is, our beautiful girl. How are you, Tatiana? Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm just going to raise my volume so can hear you and I can hear you. <laughs> Welcome, good morning. And good morning our community. We're so excited to have everyone here today. And today we are going to be focusing on seasons of change. And seasons of change are forming healthy and supportive dialogues within the family unit and speaking about mental health at home. And as we enter into another season, we notice the changes in and around us. And so with that, the temperature is cooler, traditions begin to return, and the spirit of the holiday is now upon us. Uh, with that will come a flood of emotions that have been suppressed for some time, and these emotions will become awakened by triggers, uh, maybe some personality traits, uh, some conversations that might be had around the family table, the dinner table, um, when you're visiting with family members. And like most Latinx families and Hispanic families, there tend to be some deep-rooted secrets within our families. There tends to be emotions that might be ignited. Um, anxiety comes up a lot of the time when coming to visit our family members. Um, and these are the deepest of flames. And of those flames, wounds might be opened or revealed, and, and others might be working on the healing process. And in the midst of these changing seasons, still beneath the surface are the grudges and the gossip that develop a distrust uh, in being able to share your hurts and your pains without being crossed in return. And we all have that one family member, que somos like, the periódico, you know, the newspaper. You tell them one thing and then they go and they tell everybody in the family and you really didn't want them to share that. And so we we tend to have that distrust. And so what happens when, when, this, when this particular situation occurs is that you feel um, that you don't have someone to confide in within your own family. And when that happens, um, this will start to lead to bottling it all up 
keeping it held within the heart space, keeping it held within the, the, the nervous system. Um, and like I said, when you go to visit these family members in these different seasons of change and transformation, maybe even you've begun to celebrate your individuality like we started talking about your freedom of last week. And then you show up and it's not really received really well or there's a stigma, which we talked about last week. So this week, we're going to be, as we enter into the seasons of the holidays coming up now, Thanksgiving, Indigenous Day, and many others, um, we want to highlight a couple of ways while also creating a story that is uh, more inclusive and more elevated in a way that you can speak to your family members in a more compassionate way and also still have those really protected almost boundaries of knowing when to back off. And Tatiana is going to remind us about these stigmas of mental health and the two pain points from last week's discussion that people felt closely related to that we got a lot of feedback on was um, mental health in general was the cultural competence and stigmas. And so Tatiana is going to come on now and share some light over our mental health. Thank you, Tatiana. Welcome. Hi, welcome and happy Monday. Um, thank you again for having us on for Compartiendo Esperanza, which is aimed to build trust um, with mental health in our community. I realized last week that I didn't really define what stigma is and kind of why it affects our community so much. So stigma refers to the way that and if, that you will be seen in a negative way if you have a mental illness. So you fear that you're going to be outcasted from society. And then discrimination is when you're actually treated differently because of your mental illness. But, you know, I'd really like people to think, would you discriminate someone or stigmatize someone who has, you know, diabetes, cancer, a heart condition? And you wouldn't because that is a disease that they cannot help to have, just like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, depression, anxiety. People, you know, they, they don't just choose to have these conditions are born with them, like diabetes, um, heart condition, and cancer. So why do we treat these in a different light than we do physical health conditions? Um, the whole point of these conversations is to kind of start treating them as equal and try to get people the help they need, just the same way you would get somebody who has diabetes or a heart condition, you know, actual help with a doctor. Um, we need to start talking about mental health conditions the same way that we do um, physical health conditions because they do all synchronize and affect each other. I also realized that um, we really kind of didn't hit too much on our resilient nature and why our resilient nature really not forces us but makes us, you know, not want to speak about, you know, when we are emotionally injured or hurt. And I think that we have been trained for so long to persevere through the pain no matter what, especially if you came here as an immigrant, um, like I did, or you're a first generation, second generation, or third generation, you have either watched yourself or someone that you love push beyond limits to create a really good life for, you know, for yourself. And I think we have had to enter really uncomfortable spaces, form entirely new connections by ourselves, and adapt to a new culture and a new world. And sometimes, personally, I felt that I didn't really have time to really feel anything because I was on such a mission to create success in my life and a good life for myself that I kept pushing, you know, my feelings away. 
because of my resilient nature to want to enter these new spaces in my life. And I think that my level of resilience to push through no matter what, even despite, even with the setbacks, cost me to succeed. And it did cost me to enter really beautiful and high-meaning places, but it also cost me to burn out really fast and, ex- and experience things like anxiety and, you know, at times depression. Um, I know we had talked about how our Latinx, Latina culture, we're so fiery and passionate about everything. We just really put our 100% and we want to succeed. We want to see our loved ones succeed. But it's really time to check ourselves and ask, is it really success if we're not mentally well? Mm. If we're not, is it really successful to have the best job or have the most paying job and the best relationships? But at the end of the day, when you go to bed, you're not 100%. And the answer is no. You know, I'm finally realizing that that's not success. Success mm. is not money you have or how your yeah. the job or you know how much main brands you have. Success is really about you and your health and your mental health. And we need to start realizing that in our culture, especially, we thrive on success necessarily with material things, but it's really time for us to thrive internally. You know, with our own being. Um, I know we also, you know, you wanted us to elaborate a little bit on cultural competence and what are the barriers that prevent us from seeking healthcare. And I think one of them is when we talk, turn to religious practices or homemade remedies, you know, we are a culture that's very religious and we often get told to just pray the pain away, um, you know, lean into something higher than you. and believe, you know, that they will take it away. And yes, it's beautiful to, you know, practice your faith and have, but you can't depend solely on religion Mm -hmm. to help heal you. That can be part of your treatment, but it cannot encompass all of your treatment because sometimes you do need to lean towards medication or seeing a therapist and not just, you know, praying the pain away. Mm Because sometimes we we just can't do that. You know, we can depend on it, but we can't have it be our whole you know, treatment option. And I know, you know, we get told a lot to just, you know, it's in good, you're in good hands, like, don't worry about it. But sometimes we need to actually, you know, take it more seriously and realize that we need extra assistance um, from people here. Homemade remedies, um, I know a lot of the time we just kind of get told, just breathe, you know, just start practicing your breathing, you know, you don't need that medication. I think medication is heavily stigmatized in our yeah. community we don't really like to take medication mm-hmm. we often have a lot of homemade remedies i know um speaking for myself that's just how we grew we grew up you know medication is something we don't necessarily like we like to turn to like the herbs or the herbals um before you know actually having to get medication um you know essential oils too i'm a big essential oil girl but i know that that cannot be my only treatment for my anxiety i have to actually you know, go see my therapist or have, you know, a plan in place when I do start feeling anxious. So those are some of my cultural competence um, barriers that I have seen happen, you know, within our culture. And if you have any, I would love for you also to put them on the chat um, either right now or later, just so we can kind of see overall how, you know, different it varies, but also how similar we all share similar characteristics too. I love this. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned quite a, a, an assortment of great points, Tatiana, because this is um, leading into some spaces that we begin to look at it from a bigger, a wider lens, 
And coming from the world of Ayurveda, which is what I specialize in for really this relates back to the home remedies. And as an Ayurvedic practitioner, I really heavily enjoy more natural remedies. And I think this is something that is passed down from generation to generation as well. In India, it is the it is the Vedic tradition where we pass down the knowledge from one generation to the next, and then they create these very special herbs and essential oils from the herbs that help to focus on a specific ailment. And whether that be a migraine headache, we put some peppermint here, you know, I know we talked about Vicks last week. And so, but this week we're talking about how we're utilizing these cultural nuances and how we're creating them a little bit more modern so that they can be supportive while we're entering into these seasons of change. And the homemade remedies tend to be the history that's passed down from one to the other to the other. And a lot of the time it's either grandma or grandpa that has the secret and then the secret goes into the mom and then mom gives it to the daughter and so on. It keeps going. And with that, we also tend to fall back on utilizing them because we don't pour the same amount of love into them. And then we rely on something outside of ourselves or we just rely on the external circumstances. And therefore it creates a lot of fear. It creates a lot of anxiety because now we're, we're, we're getting away from what we know is good for us. And we're looking at maybe a little, uh, some medicinal properties that are going to be ingested. And then it starts to create more toxins in the body as opposed to actually doing good. So there is a fine line between home remedy and the pharmaceuticals coming together. And really, I always want to encourage everyone before you start taking something for mental health, I want you to start looking at your side effects first. Look at the side effects first of everything that you're taking and see what it increases and what it decreases. What is its main function? Because that is going to give you some insight as to how to counterbalance that. And I, we talk about this in a course that I offer with teacher training, how to create your balances through natural remedies, because a lot of the Latino culture, like you said, Tatiana, really don't want to take medicine and they really want to nourish themselves from the inside out, even though there's a lot going on outside for them, they still want to be as, as good to themselves, as natural to themselves as possible. You know, saving those dollars to invest it in something different, something better, right? And the resilient nature comes from, I like to offer meditation. Meditation is a way that we're able to sit with that inner being. Tatiana says, you know, we thrive in our own being. And it's true. We do thrive in our own being when done correctly. When we invite ourselves into that space of that inner being, we're sitting in the silence. We're sitting in the stillness. Like when you're sleeping, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because your conscious mind is still moving and going. But when you're sleeping, you don't know what's going on outside of you. But you're still at peace with everything that is. Whether there's someone outside, the cat's meowing, and the dog is barking, you don't hear it because you're within the self. Like that, 
when we're sitting in meditation, it's an awakened state of consciousness and it's, it's a, a rested alertness. So we're able to still operate and function from this kind of keen or this level plane while everything is still circling around us. And that's where that resilience comes from. And it then starts to grow and it starts to become more powerful. And the perseverance through the pain is part of this process. It's getting out of these comfort zones and that comfort with getting out of comfort zones creates growth. And when we're when we're uncomfortable, we want to check in with that uncomfort. And this reverts back to even sitting with your own families, because sometimes we have to cut some people off. I mean, it, it's just, it is what it is. There are people in our families, there are people in our lives, there's our best friends or former best friends that are no longer serving our higher good because you're elevating in ways you didn't know you had to. And when you start to outgrow these individuals, you are now sitting with that inner being and you're not allowing them to impact you anymore and creating more pain. You know, they thrive off of your pain. If you ever heard the terminology, hurt people, hurt people. And a lot of the time, especially within our own family units, there's so many hidden secrets that they're hurt within themselves and they themselves have no outlet to speak to, especially our parents. Our parents come from a generation where our old school grandparents specifically and their parents kept that hush hush. They dealt with whatever they had to deal with, like you said, and in turn, what ends up happening, we have a very strong history within the Latino community of heart disease and cardiovascular issues because it's all suffocating ourselves here. We're suffocating. We may be loud and passionate, but we're very quiet when it comes to what's going on inside. That's pushing beyond the limits. That's learning how to go beyond that space of hurt and being able to share that because you're not the only one. And you know, what you said um, when you opened up this morning really hit home, especially when you said basically the workaholic, the workaholic, right? And we've, we've had families actually fall apart because of this, because they're trying so hard to provide for the family that they lose themselves in the very thing that's creating the money or the funding or the provision or the abundance for the family. And so we get caught up in one thing, but we neglect the very thing that's really most important. So success is really what you're leaving behind. What is the legacy that you're leaving behind? And it could be, you know, wealth can come in a healthy manner. It can come healthy wealth can actually happen when it's done with proper balance and with the support, the correct support. But when we are faced with setbacks, then that will trigger something within ourselves. And then that leads directly to overwhelm and the stresses, ultimately depression, cutting ourselves off removing ourselves from many situations or things that we used to love and do, um, and even for certain family members. And certain family members that add aggravation to your, to your being, and you'll know them when you see them during the holidays, couple of things. Just straight up ask them, 
why are you like that with me? That's the first question, right? Instead of having the fear, face and educate, articulate and relate is what fear means to me. You know, face it is the F. We're just facing the situation. Educate, because now you're learning from them and then you're responding instead of reacting. And Latin culture, we react quickly, <laughs> then respond. <laughs> and it happens still. <laughs> it's not easy. And then we want to articulate in a way that is related to them, right? So we got to choose the audience and how we speak to that audience is how we begin to have the dialogue so that we create respect through the education by facing what we're articulating with them. So we turn the fear into an educational component. You're going to see this person for just this one day. So make it count. And then you know what? You never have to talk to that person again if you don't have to. Give yourself the peace and give yourself the permission to make these conscious decisions that come the holidays. Make sure you're creating the space and the boundaries that you need that are healthy to protect this space here. You don't need to add more when you got so much more going on around you. One person, we know that words are very sharp and one person can make can trigger something and that can be the click out. And that's where we want to prevent. And when Ayurveda, we talk a lot about getting to the root, removing the root of the matter, removing the root of the disease. So therefore we're preventing instead of treating. And so when we're moving into this season, it's very important to come into preventative care, preventative mindsets, knowing what you're getting yourself into and also you have a choice. You have a choice. Do you really want to go or will you decide this year, I'm going to start my own tradition, right? Traditions change just like the evolutionary process of our own individual growth. And like you said, coming into thriving in our own being, thriving in our own being means making those healthy choices to choose better when you're faced with that opportunity, you've made, you've done your part. You said your part. And if there's no response or there's no support, then really the success is being able to take care of yourself to provide optimal health and well-being. And it's not to sit there and silently suffer and then leave with that within the body for the next year and then go through it again. So good. Mm-hmm. You know, when speaking about like how generals play in this, like women, we are taught that we belong to repress or feeling to take care of everyone else, especially with the holiday season if we're having family members over or yeah. it really falls on you as a woman to host and to be the mm -hmm. one checking in on everyone, cooking in on everyone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, is anyone really checking in on you or are you even checking in on yourself? Yeah. You know, sometimes I always say this is you have to be your own biggest advocate because people can love you but sometimes they won't be advocating for you it's really up to you to advocate for your own health and well-being you know at times i love that um, yeah because you know especially as women we are the caregivers and we are 
the one setting the party, you know, having to invite everyone, cook for everyone, clean for everyone, and that leads to really high burnout, and it leads to, you know, like not enjoying yourself at a time that's supposed to be, you know, merry and happy. So it's very important to set those boundaries and to realize when it's happening, you know, when when everyone is falling on you to take care of, you know, the family. Mm -hmm. But it's okay to start changing this um, perception that we have as women in the Latina culture. It's okay to say, you know, for now, like you can, you can handle this. You can start, you know, being the nurturer too. We don't have to keep in our old traditional ways because I think for so long that has caused us to fall back as well. For men too, how they're always the provide financially or to sustain for the family and they push beyond limits to go to the workplace when they're not feeling well. I know my dad is probably watching, but you know, for so long he didn't take vacation because it was like unheard of to relax, um, you know, to finally just have time with your family because for so long we have been trained, men have been trained to always provide, provide, you know, can't take off because I have to do this, 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 you know, to build a good life for my family. But that can lead to high levels of stress and anxiety. And it's so important for both men and women in our culture to kind of start checking in with those perceptions and changing them um, so that you do leave a successful life. Um, Success as in being healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, success is, is something that actually creates anxiety for people. And when, and then when you show up to these dinners and these events, it's almost like going to a reunion in a way, cause they're like, oh, well, what are you doing now? And, and how successful are you? You know, it's always kind of circles back to that somehow, some way. And then, like you said, you feel kind of discriminated or inadequate at times, or you build up anxiety because you don't really want to talk about what's going on. Maybe because of this pandemic, we've, have people lost their jobs. We have people that are going through a really rough time right now and they're really hustling. I hate that word, but they're really hustling to do whatever they can to make those ends meet. And they're looking at every option and every opportunity. And when they get to finally going to the holiday party, they're like, oh, I need to go buy a present and I need to do this. And I don't even know what they like. I don't even know this person. And there's so much caught up in that, that, it's okay to just get a gift card. It's not a cop-out, okay? It's not a cop-out. Like, give, they're gonna buy what they're gonna buy anyway, you know? So it's okay to just, with every intention, the thought behind it alone is good enough. It's good enough. I mean, I know here in Louisiana, we're like, you lucky we showed up to work today, kind of attitude, right? <laughs> like, you lucky you getting something, right? So, <laughs> so. There's times where you got to embrace that lazy fae kind of really chill, como si nada, super, you know, for us as a Puerto Rican, very laid back, you know, just like it is, it's all good. And just embrace that. What's most important is maybe creating something. Maybe you cook something special or you pour yourself because in Ayurveda, we talk about, about how we pour ourselves into our food. And the most important ingredient is love. And if you think about this, your grandmother's special dish does not taste anything at all. You can recreate it. Your mom can recreate it. Everybody else can recreate it, but there's something missing. 
it doesn't taste the same, right? It's because there's a bunch of love that's poured into that dish because she knows the nourishment that's going into this dish for you. Even if it's not healthy, there's still some sort of love. There's some nourishment that's going into that. And that's why a lot of people love to join together as a family because there's that one person that pulls everyone together as well, right? There's always that grandma or there's always that sister or the aunt. There's always somebody that pulls everyone together. It's kind of like the link for it all. But at the same time, you know, we have to keep in mind that when we're persevering through things and, and everything that we pour ourselves into, which you said, I mean, we pour ourselves into everything. We push beyond our limits to succeed. And then when we face these setbacks, there's a quote out there and I've seen it on a, on a wall in the mall, uh, Lululemon store had it one time and it said setbacks, um, how you handle setbacks, it has something along these lines of setbacks are the way that you handle success, right? Or success is how you handle your setbacks. Forgive me. And, and that's really important because that goes back to the resilience factor. Whenever there's a setback, think about it as an opportunity for growing. Maybe that happened because that wasn't supposed to happen for you or that was supposed to happen for you. And now there's a new avenue or a new door being paved for you to enter into. And with that, this is where you begin to formulate the language to have these conversations with your family members, to educate them on these avenues of progression and evolution, because we're growing. Our, our generations now are very, very different, very different. And a lot of our Latino communities, a lot of our children are not speaking Spanish. They're not speaking Spanish right now. So are we still inviting Spanish heritage and language into the family unit still? Are we still talking to them at home in Spanish? And then in the world, they can go talk English or they learn it in school. But at home, are we still upholding that culture so our children can feel comfortable and confident speaking the second, the world's second most powerful language, right? The world's most powerful language Three, English, Spanish, and Chinese. Are we speaking English and Spanish at home, right? If you know Chinese, bonus, <laughs> bonus, but, right? I'd like to talk with you about um, bringing this back to the cultural influences and the interpretation of the symptoms that may assume something else is going on, how we talked about me duele corazón and the emotional distress and how good we are with hiding emotional distress. You know, I found myself recently, no lie, and I'm going to be real open and real transparent today and just really frank. And I found myself on the bathroom floor crying my eyes out not so long ago because I really felt so stressed out. And I said to myself, how appropriate is it that we're having these conversations about mental health? And as a leader in my community, I am feeling so much pressure to get so many things done, especially with the holidays coming around, running a nonprofit, traveling back and forth to take care of my grandfather and dealing with stuff with my mom's issues from when she passed away. 
and working a part-time job and doing three different cohorts and finishing my teacher training program, right? I've got, and I'm in school full-time, be a doctor. Whoa, right? And I just was like, I need a day. When is my day off? I don't even have a day. Where is the day off and what does that look like? And then, God forbid, I take a day off because then I'm like, oh my God, I got to catch up with everything and now I'm more stressed out. And that is when I found myself on the floor and I was like, I can't take it anymore. And it's like, boohoo, ugly cry, y'all. Like, boohoo, ugly cry all the way out. And so I'd love for you to open up on, on that because that was a moment where I was like, man, I feel so alone. And if, and if I didn't open up like that, you know, and I'm really, really grateful for my cohort that I'm in because there are other entrepreneurs that are going through similar things that I could talk to and have that support held. But if I didn't have that, how would I be able to show up and put the face on while also dealing with all of these struggles that so many of us, especially I know women, and we speak from the woman's perspective because we are women, and men, if you're out there, we wanna hear from you, so please share. Um, because this is a, a time for us that it, it does hurt our heart. It does hurt our heart. Yes, yeah, so I know, especially with our community, we do tend to focus a lot on how we're physically feeling, our physical ailments, and not necessarily our emotion because we have like I said, we've been trained so long to kind of shut down our emotions and kind of, you know, be a blank sheet and just go, go, go on auto drive. So sometimes, you know, when we're really feeling depression or anxiety or just overwhelmed, we, we explain it, I'm feeling knots in my stomach or for me, like my stomach, I have get terrible upset stomachs and it's like, man, I've been having a lot of stomach issues lately or I've been having, you know, constant nausea and constant, um, you know, just... And recently, that too happened for me. I was experiencing a lot of physical ailments, and I couldn't get to, to the root of it. And I would, you know, I even went to the doctor's office, and I was explaining to him in physical ailments, like my stomach is just constantly, I've been months with just issues, and I don't know what it is. Like, what is causing, you know, this, this these symptoms? And then I kind of had to look inward, you know, to really see what it was. And it was my anxiety kind of, re-resurrecting I guess in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time mm -hmm. and I had to kind of check in and be like all right well now I need to start getting back on my remedy you know getting back to my self of self-care because it's causing me to physically yeah. you know be injured physically hurt physically have symptoms but for so long that's how I was explaining it to everyone to my parents the doctors mm -hmm. you know I was just not having a good time um and that's how we explain it like physical symptoms again like if you're having a lot of stress headaches you know if you're having migraines constantly and you might think something is wrong you know with your migraines like all of a sudden showing up but then kind of tune in with yourself and see is it really you know physical ailments or am i hurting emotionally as well is there something at my work or relationships with people that's causing, that's the root of the cause. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes it's amazing how much physical and your mind are connected. Yeah. Even through, you know, the gut, like with me, my stomach was in turns because my gut was imbalanced because mm -hmm. of my anxiety. Yes. So it's so important to be in tune with everything, but to know when to describe, when to connect the both. Because I think the 
the mind is so beautiful and it's so complex and it really does connect all of your symptoms like all of your body is connected through your mind it's a powerful thing that we have so learning when you say me duele el corazón i'm in emotional distress maybe your heart is hurting because anxiety or you know panic attacks can cause you to feel like you're having a heart attack but it's because you're actually emotionally hurting mm -hmm. so we really need to start pinpointing when we're having you know when we're having physical ailments are they just physical ailments or is something you know deeply rooted in you know in the way i am and i wish you know for so long with, with doctors trying to speak to them in a culturally competent way you know sometimes they might not realize our physical ailments are a problem are caused by stress or caused by our anxieties um i think it's really important through conversations like this that doctors can tune in on and see the way that different cultures describe different um mental health conditions because for us we really lean heavily on the physical ailments we don't describe that we're our thoughts are racing 100 miles an hour or we're experiencing you know really dark times we don't really talk about that but we talk about you know i'm losing weight or my stomach is i'm gaining weight or i just can't sleep we talk a lot about it in a physical sense and i think if our doctors start understanding our cultures more they might have us look into um, alternatives for the mind too and ways to heal you know our minds as well rather than our physical ailments Because if my doctor would have known, you know, my my stomach problems were caused through my anxiety, you know, he might have suggested I start, you know, seeing my therapist again or seeing, you know, someone again, rather than just prescribing, like, medication to just treat my stomach. Because mm -hmm. I think that's what's happening with a lot of us. We're just treating our physical ailments without really realizing that it's a problem with our, you know, our mental health, too. Because stress, too, is terrible. Like, we have, in the United States, we have a lot of heart cardiovascular problems because we're a very stressed country we are you know constantly like you said on the hustle and as minorities we are even more on the hustle because we have to prove ourselves further to get to that level of success so you know stress is going to lead to physical ailments and you've probably experienced them you know i know we're going to talk about some of the signs eventually soon in this talk and it'll probably make you check in with yourself because i'm sure even with the pandemic you have probably experienced some of these signs and symptoms um, as well. And it's really important to talk about them with your doctors and with your family, but also talk about them in a sense that it's related to your mental health too. You know, Omeopath said something really, really powerful. And she says that modern medicine needs to make this shift now more than ever. Stress and emotional blocks are insane and so connected to our health. And this is so true. It is so, it's so point on. And you bring up, um, these physical ailments and the gut and the imbalance. So in Ayurveda, we call this the pitta or fire or the agni. Agni means fire. And we treat, like I said before, we go straight to the root. What is the root? What is the cause of the imbalance? And how do we remove it from the body? Like, what is that? And when we're getting to these physical ailments, like, man, my stomach hurts so much. What is making me feel this anxiety? What is the cause of the anxiety? What thing, person, place, experience is, causing this shift. And then when you bring that light into it, we start to work on what kind of foods we can eat to start to create those balances because it starts in the gut. And so nourishment is the outside and the inside. 
And the environment plays a huge role in this in this um, experience of our gut and how we respond because our body, our tissues are creating or shining out whatever we're putting on. So if we're inside, we feel like crap. On the outside, we're going to look like crap, right? And if we feel great on the inside, then our ojas and our glow is going to shine on the outside and we're going to be able to share that. And what modern medicine always wants to be so minute in like one little thing, but they don't really look at the whole entire big picture. They don't look at, well, let's, let's understand what's going on in your life. If you're a doctor, you're with somebody for the most part until they die. Like you're going to be with them forever. You want to know what they're eating, what's going on in their life. Was there a recent change? Did someone pass away? Are you grieving? What are, did you lose your job? Are you grieving the loss of your job? Are you stressed? Right? And it's so true. Just like homeopath said, nature food is so healing and it's true. And homeopath does a lot of wonderful uh, retreats, hiking retreats where you're out in nature and you're experiencing the beauty of this healing um, modality or what we call the inner intelligence the inner intelligence of what's going on in nature. Nature is what we call grounding. You go outside, take your shoes off, put your feet in the grass, put your feet in the sand, put your feet in the dirt, and just feel the unctuousness, the heaviness, the, the, the weightiness, the earthiness of what's going on out there. And for that moment, just be in it. Observe the glow of the sun through the leaves of the tree, the sun setting on the ocean, and just immerse yourself in those moments where you do get to sit with your inner being and you do get to begin to experience that and you start to see your digestion is going to transform. On my YouTube page or a channel, I have a ton of yoga videos that will help and they're bilingual. I have uh, yoga español and I have bilinguish where it's Spanish and English, <laughs> you know, and I have these opportunities for you to just sit with yourself, to move this energy and then sit with it afterward and notice what you're feeling. Because when you're moving all of this and shifting this, you get to truly appreciate that intelligence that's enlivening now from within. And it's beginning to create a better Agni or a better fire for you to digest it. Because remember, most Latinas, most Latinx, most Hispanics are very fiery. We're very pitta constitution. We're very sharp. We could be a little rough, a little coarse around the edges sometimes too. You know, some of us don't have a filter, um, guilty. And you know, so, you know, we have, we have a lot of qualities, gunas of this pitta constitution, but that same fire that burns, as Ram Das says, also purifies. So when we're going through this fire, the digestion, that the food that we're taking in, the experiences that we're taking in, the beauty of the flower or the plants nearby, we're taking that in, and then that's what's starting to nourish us. If we're surrounded in an environment that's hostile and angry and upsetting and constantly triggering you to cry, constantly triggering you to get stressed out, you are impinging, you're infringing on your own digestive system. You, you, chances are you're not eating properly or skipping meals or just, I'm not hungry altogether, drinking cups of coffee to suppress it or water or something else to just dilute it. You're not giving yourself those 
few moments to just take a step outside and have your cup of coffee, or you're not giving yourself those moments to sit and eat in peace because you're being impacted by something that's surrounding you and then causing a lot of, of stress that you can't properly digest. And then it leads to other gastrointestinal issues, which we do get into later on in these conversations. And that's going to create a lot of issues with the heart because the heart is who pumps all this blood into the body and the liver is who purifies it. And when we are not able to move easily through all of these practices and, and the nourishment within, that's where we're creating our own blockages and, our, and those blockages therefore create heart blockages, heart complications, bowel movement disorders, and we just exactly, we move easily into adrenaline fatigue because nowadays we're online. So we're microwave, everything's a microwave. Everything is microwave results. The transformational process and mental health is not a microwave result. It's not. The, the microwave result that you have right now is to make a choice to change. You know, either to sit in the darkness or start to find that little crack where your light begins to shine. If you close your eyes and you focus on the space between your eyebrows, you'll start to see a little tiny itty bitty white speck and then keep looking at it because you're going to move through a tunnel of energy that's going to illuminate the intelligence within and you're going to start to transform yourself and you're going to start to have more respect and integrity for yourself and when you come to family gatherings you're going to know what you're going to be able to take and tolerate and what you're going to just mm, not going to deal with that right now have the the, the mantra to say, I love myself enough to know that's not good for me. I love myself enough to know I need this. I love myself enough to know this job is not good for me. Ever since starting this job, I've been feeling what? So if you journal, this is a good time to get a journal out and write that question down with your mantra. I love myself enough to know X, Y, Z. I love myself enough to change an even bonus round. I love you enough to know that I am not good enough or good for you. I'm good enough, but I'm not good for you right now, right? Like, I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> like, I love myself enough to know you gotta go, but I'm gonna turn it around and I'm gonna say, I love you. <laughs> So much that I know that you need the room to grow and I need the room to grow. And then therefore it's a peaceful separation and it's not hostile, but it's giving, I love this quote from Ram Dass, the more conscious person gives the other room to grow. And sometimes that has to be held within our families. And this comes so into light when we are during holiday season and the seasons of transformation within ourselves. You know, when you're in nature, and I think Om Your Path can really speak to this a lot, she's in nature all the time. And she sees all the different changes of the leaves and the scenery and the, and the surroundings and the terrains. And it's like, she loves herself enough to know that she is part of all that is around her. And everything that she's bringing her, her tribe to, she sees that they love themselves enough to know that this is the connection they need right now 
right? I love myself enough to know that I'm not going to that family gathering because it's not going to do anything for me but cause me more pain and I'm going to come home, I'm going to feel like crap and then I'm going to have to make the phone call and have the conversation that I don't want to have right now and it's a trickle down. So giving yourself enough love and compassion to understand that you yourself can have the compassion within and sit in those spaces. You know, there are people that I've seen kids divorcing their parents on TV. Like, what is this? But they are so progressive because they know that those parents provided them the gift of life, but that they need to now live their life. They can't live their life if they're being suppressed by something that's creating harm. And they also know that they have a choice. And if they go to the extent, and that's costly extent to go to, to get to that point, then those individuals are very well aware and conscious to make that decision to choose to improve their life in a completely different way. And although painful for the parent, we all don't know what the situations are ever, but we do know that when we are checking in with ourselves and it's okay to have that check-in at times you might even pause throughout the day and be like, what time is it now? It's not five o'clock. It's now. What time is it? It's now. Where am I here? I'm present. When someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm present. I'm here, right? I'm present. I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. What are, are you really good? Are you really good? Right? So that's why it's always good to just have that check in with yourself and be like, I'm present. I'm focused. I'm grounded. And if you got to go outside and get grounded, get grounded. If you got to go to home your path and go on a hike, go, you know, get yourself you want to come on a yoga retreat join us in costa rica you know we're doing a beautiful retreat next year and immersing ourselves in bliss and abundance right just surrounding ourselves in nature the jungles the waterfalls the ocean all the elements because we are composed of that and when we're missing something we feel it we feel it our we come into this space of I love this quote that you said here, and it was, la ropa sucia se lava en tu casa. You don't air out your dirty laundry, right? We don't air out our dirty laundry. I think even Keanu Reeves said, you know, don't want to burden your friends with your problems, I think he said at one time. And I have to disagree big time with with them, big time, because the very people that are the cause of your problem are the very people you need to talk to. Yes. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. I, um, you know, I think, like I said, we're a very private community. We are very not willing to share with others. But, you know, you don't air out your dirty laundry with other people. But sometimes it shouldn't be considered dirty. You know, the way yeah. you're feeling or depression, anxiety, stress should not be considered dirty laundry. I think... Well, something that I think we heavily lack in is compassion, and I think the whole world lacks in compassion, and I actually um, lacked a lot in self-compassion for myself, because I didn't want to have all these problems and, you know, tell the world about them. I kind of wasn't compassionate enough with myself to get help, 
Um, and it actually put me in a little um, self-compassion support group where all we learned about, and unfortunately it got cut short because of COVID, but the two groups that I was there really changed my life mm. because it taught me to air out what I was feeling and that you don't have to have solutions to all of your problems. Um, yes. You can just be, and that I'm so bad at just being. I think a lot of Latino, we just can't, we're always constant, what's next? What's next for us? Right. What's next in a, um, where we just forget to just be in the present. I think that's such an important word, just be. Um, mm-hmm. Be where you are, be who you are, no matter what you're feeling. It's okay to just have that mentality, especially when having conversations with your loved ones in the holidays. Um, something that I had never realized was how to talk to somebody in a compassionate way or how to talk to yourself compassionately. So, you know, when you are talking to people, airing out your laundry, your emotions, it's okay to, you know, say, I'm feeling really anxious today. And instead of that person, you know, saying, just stop thinking about it, just stop worrying about it. It's so important to listen and say, I, I'm so sorry you're feeling anxious. You know, what can I do for you? That holds so much more power than just saying, just fix, just breathe, just start breathing or start, you know, solving, you know, go on a walk, go do, it's okay to do that. But sometimes it's okay to just acknowledge, acknowledging what that person is going through and what that person is lacking. What do they need from you? You know, have that compassion, not only in yourself to not be fixing everything and to just sit with what you're feeling, and what you are. And for that person who's listening to you to also just sit with that, um, sit with what is going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the dirty laundry only gets cleaned at home, but it's going to transfer into all of your aspects. You know, your stress doesn't just stay in your mind it doesn't just stay at home it's it transfers and like i said it transfers to physical ailments it transfers to even the way you talk to someone i know for me when i get stressed like i said i'm a fiery latina so i start you know i start verbalizing it and it causes me to have speaking to people in a different way and i have to check myself and realize am i talking to them i'm stressed i have to have self-compassion with myself to realize this is what I'm feeling right now and I can't solve it. The solution isn't to, you know, speak to people that way or to, you know, just be anxious and, you know, all frazzled. It's to just have compassion and hoping that that person too acknowledges that maybe she just needs more compassion. Maybe she needs me to ask her, you know, how she's doing at this time. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, don't just ignore it. If you see someone crying or you see someone like really acting a certain way, um, just ask, yeah. how are you? How are you feeling? And when they tell you, I'm just feeling stressed and it's causing me to be angry or it's causing me to not sleep, instead of just saying, oh, okay, well, you'll be fine. No, just, I'm so sorry that you're feeling so stressed. You know, what can I do to help you? What can I, you know, what can I do with you that will make you feel better? You know, we are so solution driven that we want to fix everything. And sometimes there's no solution. <laughs> sometimes you just have to, be, you know, just have to sit with that emotion and where you are. Because the more we let it, you know, the more that we 
put a word to it, the less powerful I think it becomes. Mm. The more that we acknowledge that we're feeling anxious or we need help, the more, the less it has a grip on us in our lives and the less we're able to, you know, transpire into the world. So it's okay to air out your dirty laundry because if you don't, it's going to cause a lot of setbacks. It's going to cause a lot of hurt, not mm-hmm. only to yourself, but to family members. And, you know, maybe your family member treats you nasty because they haven't sat with themselves. They haven't sat. And it's not necessarily your job to fix them mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we need to protect ourselves. But just acknowledging that maybe they need, maybe they've never been taught self-compassion mm-hmm. or compassion. You know, maybe they're, you know, they grew up in a different culture that we didn't talk about compassion or how to just be there for people so it's really important to realize that too um you know put don't put yourself in their shoes because that's not and i think there's a difference between an empathetic response and a compassionate response Mm -hmm. because empathy really just leans into like i feel i feel what you're saying Mm -hmm. but sometimes you don't feel what Mm -hmm. they're saying you know it's better to just say i can't imagine what you're feeling Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, we don't, we, we tend to compare ourselves a lot in our culture. And sometimes it's, that leads to distrust. And that's something that, you know, that leads to the lack of trust that we have in opening the people, because we just love to offer solutions. We love to compare like, oh, well, I went through this. Just go, you know, you can do it too. Sometimes it's just right. okay to just be, you know. I love that you brought this up because this is actually, um, your Path actually brought this up too, about talking about empathy empathetic and empathetic people. And there is a very healthy boundary, but you also mentioned, and I'm going to circle back to all these points because I think they're all very, very valuable in the next um, 10 minutes that we have together. And the first one being, you know, when we talk to people, our tone, our tone, we get, I know as a kid, I always got hit on with that tone, the tone of our voice, because my tone is not the nicest, but I do work on it. And the tone of our voice, and it's because naturally it can come out very sharp, it can come out very coarse, it can come out very forward. And if I'm not conscious about the tone that I am expressing myself in, it easily, especially if they're not part of the Hispanic culture and they tend to lean more towards other cultures that don't understand that my tone within my family that I speak, you and I speaking like this, is understood. But for others, it might be like, wow, what are you so mad about? What are you so mad about? I'm like, I'm not mad, I'm passionate. (laughs) I'm passionate about it, right? So there's a tone of voice that we have. And also, for example, one day I was, I was working at my part-time job and allowing an X amount of people to come in or something and and they have to wait in line. And they were waiting about 45 minutes and this lady who's not a Latina uh, was very upset about having to wait for so long to get into the store and there's a Puerto Rican gentleman behind her. And I said to the lady in a very sweet way, I said, well, you know, just imagine you're only there for 45 minutes. I'm here for seven hours, right? Now, he got it. <laughs> and he got it really quick. And he was like, Tu eres Latina, tu eres Hispana, si? And I was like, Yeah. And he goes, Oh, I got what you said, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I was being nice about it, but I was in a way just being like, Yo, like, have some compassion. I'm here all day long and this is my job. You only got to wait a few minutes. 
And so, you know, the way that I said it was she wasn't offended or anything, but it was just knowing cultural undertones that the Puerto Rican got quickly, but she didn't get at all. And I was fine with that, you know, but it was like, if I would have said that in a different tone, like, well, you're there for 45 minutes. I'm here all day. Like the tone I really want to say it in. Right. You know, like it would have been a whole different experience, but just in the change of the tone of the voice made a huge difference. And the other thing is, empathetic people. So I'm a huge empath. I, I mean, I cry over a Hallmark commercial. Like, I mean, I, I like, I cry over raindrops. Like it's just horrible. I cry if I think about something and that's where I just said it thinking. So empathetic people create stories because we create the story of what we project of what we think someone is feeling or going through. We don't know what's behind this mask figuratively and literally. We don't know, okay? But we assume that we know based on how we experienced that thing at that time or another time and how we responded or reacted to it. And so when someone is hurt, for example, my mom passed away in March of this year and I still feel it now more than ever before. Yesterday, my friend told me that his mom's anniversary of passing was two days ago. He didn't have the same feelings, but I started crying and I started getting upset. And I was like, oh, I feel like I, I feel, I feel you like, oh, like your mom, this is her anniversary of her past. Like, so I started going through my story of how I was feeling for him and taking his energy on along with how I was feeling, causing more, more in myself. And that's when I realized, man, this empathy thing can actually hold me back from progressing, can hold me back from growing because I'm so in my mind of how that person's feeling right now or the homeless person begging for money. God, it's so hard for, for empaths to give money to homeless people because they feel so much of their pain or what they think is their pain. And there are times where I just roll my window down. I'm like, what do you need? What is it that you need? And then they start talking to you like, I just need socks, you know, or I just need food for today, you know, they actually tell you what they need. And here I am in my mind, like creating this elaborate story of what they went through and how are they sleeping? Where are they going to sleep tonight? What, how, oh my God, it's cold out. Are they, do they have enough of this? How can I, you know, and I start going on a tangent and as an empath and many empaths start to have so much feeling for everybody else and they lose themselves because they're giving themselves to everybody but themselves. So now another empath is going to feel you and then they're going to start creating a story about your mental health or your well-being or your situation. And so it's like a trickle down effect in the circle of the empaths. And so empathic people, it creates kind of like a coherence effect. And so when you, you think of somebody, chances are they're probably thinking about you or chances are that little angel, that little voice just came in to say, you know what, reach out to this person because they, they need you right now. 
you know, and, and you may have been months or a year or two and you haven't, in that one moment, go ahead and reach out to them. Send them a text, send them an email, send them something, give them a call, you know, um, because there's a coherence factor, especially if you, you're connected to this person in some way, shape or form from the past or, or online or however you became connected to. And that is different than the empath. The empath is more of just having those highly sensitive ripple effects that permeate this auric field almost. And I know it's a little abstract to understand, but we all have this, you know, this, you know, you walk into a room and it energetically doesn't feel good. You know, you're like, oh, I don't, or we have a certain spot we like to sit on, sit at all the time, or the certain space at the dinner table. A lot of veterans don't like their backs to the doors or, you know, like there's a certain thing, right? And so we have to like understand that that energy is real. It's real, right? And it's just as real as when you're out in nature and you're feeling the warmth of the sun or the coolness of the air and the texture of the water, the stickiness of the salt water, you know, like you feel these things. And just like that, you feel that wherever you are, you're going to a family gathering and all, you know, you already feeling all kinds of things, but at the same time, that same festering up can also create the very same blockage because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You're emphatically feeling everybody's energy from what you remember from before, but you're not understanding that it could actually change now for the future. So we get caught up in this over emotional drama instead of just allowing the projection of the of this movie to just look at the screen that it's on. Yeah. You know, we're so involved in the pixels and the movie itself that's projecting, we forget that there's a canvas behind there that the projection is on. And we call this in yoga chitti vrittis, the monkey mind of the empath. And I think for to differentiate between a compassionate response and an empathetic one, Yes. Yes. And so there is, there is because the compassionate response, wait, I can't hear you. There you are. What about that? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, girlfriend. Um, what's between an empathetic response and a compassionate response is that an empathetic response carries so much more weight because you're trying to relate to that person or you're already scrambling to find solutions on ways to fix their problems or fix your own. And that leads to more weight where a compassionate response just lets things be as they are. You know, I like you, like I said, if someone is coming up to you, they're just very upset. You know, just say, I, I have no idea what you're feeling. I can't even begin to imagine what you're going through. How can I help you through this? That's, and even, that's so much different than saying, wow, I, like, I felt that a long time ago. That carries so much more weight for not only you, but that person as well. Absolutely. And I think differentiating between, because it's, it's important to have empathy. I'm personally very empathetic. I absorb everything around me as well. Um, like, I can't, like I said, I can't go to grocery stores by myself because I'm flooded <laughs> with, you know, different people and energies yeah. um, where it's overwhelming. And with empathy, it can lead to burnout. It can lead to, you know, having, like you said, just being tired afterwards. That's why we're so tired as empathetic, you know, being empaths, because we're constantly absorbing mm -hmm. instead of just letting things be as they are. Because you're not going to understand 
person's going through, even if you went through something different, you know, our minds are so different. Um, and, you know, that is something I was going to bring up is that it's okay to just let things be and let that person be upset and just walk with them through that feeling. We don't need to fix yes. it. It's okay. We call that holding space, holding space. You know, my best friend, Linnell, she says, she, we call it, we say take three. And that's just taking three breaths together. And then we're in the space together, just holding it. Just if you need to cry, cry. I'm right here. I might be holding your knee, like touching your knee if we're sitting in an in Indian pose or sitting in a Sukhasana. And I'm, you know, I might be touching your hand, you know, or I might be holding my heart. And I'm giving the other person a compassionate and empathetic, empathetic space holding. So I'm there with you. You know, um, there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful saying by, I think it's Thich Nhat Chan or Lao Tzu, one of these greats that say, hello, emotion, I feel you and I'm here for you and I'm holding you and allow the emotion to run through. And the same thing is like the mantra, I love you enough to hold the space for you. Mm -hmm. I love you enough to be here for you. And even when we are going through the seasons of change, holding that space to know that like every season, we go through the spring is the, all the blossoming of the rebirth, the fire of the summertime where things are beginning to change, maybe get more powerful or start to begin to dwindle and, and start to wither because it's too hot. We go into the fall where everything starts to fall and fall down and begin to release like a snake shedding its skin. And the winter, we go into hibernation. We learn a lot from nature. Animals hibernate. They turn within and they hold the space within themselves so that they can therefore emerge into the spring fully refreshed and new. And it takes time. It's not easy. We need to be able to have what are called, as Linnell um, from Rooted You Yoga says, brave spaces. Creating a brave space, not a safe space, because I can never guarantee your safety, even in a yoga studio nowadays, but I can guarantee you will enter into your own brave space the moment either you step your foot onto your yoga mat, you sit down in a chair and start to meditate, you grab a book and start writing your journaling. You start recognizing and coming into your being when you're sitting in the space of compassion and having the empathy with yourself. Feel yourself first before you start putting out what you want to feel for others. Be there for others. Be present for others. Empaths, we are on a whole wave, especially in the Latino community, because we're very, 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 very emphatic, yet at the same yeah. time, blocked, right? Like we're very, very, very empathetic, but then at the same time, we're like, pero that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> you know, like, esa es la cosa tuya, pero no mía. You know, and like right away, we're just like, but at the same time, we're like, but I'm here for you, but I'm here for you, mm. right? So we want to genuinely be there for somebody, by either answering the phone and listening and just listening and then hold, just holding the space. There's no solution. You know, we don't, 
We don't offer solutions. That's also something uh, a lot of, of our Pitta type of very fiery, very sharp, very go-getter, passionate people do. They like, oh, well, I got something for you. You know, why don't you try this, 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 and this, and maybe this, and maybe you do that, or take a couple of this, and da, 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 da. But sometimes it's just a matter of just being heard. Just being heard. What are some resources, Tatiana, you can share with us as we wrap up our call today? And I'll share some down below as well. Um, for our tribe members to reach out to and connect with us. And please, y'all, you can reach out to Tatiana and I uh, directly. Um, we have Nami, Louisiana, you can message them right below, as well as Jai Bhakti Yoga, you can message me directly, and we can absolutely have conversations and bring up more topics that you feel are very important in your life that you're going through, and we'll be more than happy to include them in our upcoming, in our upcoming chats. And before Tatiana gives us some resources, um, I just want all of you to know that next week, uh, we're going to be focusing on these cultural barriers that we started touching upon, and we'll dive more into that. And um, we want you to also consider just like reimagining what you can do to enhance and enliven that inner intelligence within and not suppress yourselves anymore, but to speak, to speak in your truth. So some of the resources that if you need um, yourself or somebody is Latinx therapy. It's a great um, database of different culturally competent therapists around the country that you can access. Um, we have this Compartiendo Esperanza, which is NAMI's new short series to bring trust in our communities about mental health and to kind of start speaking about it. Mental Health America has a great um, resource where you can even print out um, different discussion guides that you can fill out yourselves to practice having these vulnerable and important discussions with your family members. So it's different exercises that you can do. And you can search it by, you know, Googling Mental Health America and the Latinx community, and it'll pop up right there. We also have us, NAMI Louisiana, if you ever need to be connected to a mental health resource, just email us or give us a call. Um, and we will connect you to other, you know, resources around the community because there are so many. Yes. And I want to also highlight, um, I want to also highlight Omir Path, who is here on the call today with us. And they offer retreats that are hiking in nature to check them out, to get your mindset back into a healthy space. And, um, I also want to highlight Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation. We offer tons of resources on our YouTube channel here on Instagram TV series. We have a ton of tutorials. Uh, we have educational content, Ayurvedic content, and I offer yoga teacher trainings on it, Ayurvedic trainings on it. And then we also offer annual yoga retreats. We go, all of them are heavily focused on mental health and well-being. You know, I come from this world. I speak from my truth. And so I only surround myself with a community of those that are going through and working through their own imbalances and or what we call just disassociated orders. You know, they're, they're not associated to one thing, they're associated to many things. So it's, it's really hard to pinpoint something sometimes. And so we 
take these yoga retreats to really get down deep into the root of the matter. And then we allow ourselves to grow and heal from it. So we offer those, we're offering some Black Friday promotions for those as well coming up in the coming weeks. But you have so many resources at your fingertips. We're gonna be sending out more information on our blog that we post. And any questions and comments that you have, please, please, please do your best to share with us. We love to hear from you. Any other words, Miss Beautiful Tatiana? No, that's all. And um, if you want to, you know, facilitate these conversations in your own spaces, you know, re please reach out to us. We would love to continue, you know, these conversations throughout, you know, all of Louisiana um, as well. So it's just about spreading the message. I think it's been lacking for a long time. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week when we talk about cultural barriers. And if you have any insights that you want to share with us of barriers you've been facing, please send us that and we will definitely speak to that next week for sure. So much love y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Tatiana. And thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you all so much for participating in today's wonderful podcast. As always, it's such a joy and an honor to share in the space with all of you and hold the space together as a collective. I invite you to support my life's work on Teachable. For those of you that would like continuing education units, Teachable will be the go-to for your membership. I'm looking forward to growing together and meeting you all. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and introduce yourself. I would love to follow you back and subscribe to our YouTube channel for free classes that are posted weekly. Looking forward to our next chat together and I'll see you online, in person, in an immersion or on this podcast. See you soon. From my heart to yours, much love and namaste.